you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And welcome to another Thursday show as we continue our exit interviews, joined as always by Michael F. Florio and our producer, Steve Manny. And uh, fellas, I actually I wanted to start today um, with this this fan controlled football league. Um, I don't know if you guys have, have you, have either of you seen or heard anything about this fan controlled football league? Oh, we know only Johnny Manziel. Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's how we all heard about it. The, the news hit a couple weeks ago that Johnny Manziel was signing with this league. The basics of it are, uh, I mean, as the name suggests, fans can kind of control, um, you can call plays. Uh, I, I guess th- and here's the thing. I don't know how much I don't know how, how much I know about it. I don't know how much either of you guys know about it. Like, how much control do fans get over this thing? Anybody know? Like, do you get to control personnel that's on the field? I mean, what? I don't even know how much how much input the fans get here. So I, because I don't either, and I just went to their website, and and their website says you control the plays. So, okay. 
I'm guessing it would be cool if you could control personnel because I would be throwing out some weird alignments and <laughs> seeing how it works. Um, but yeah, I'm curious too. So is it like, is it like in Madden where they give you like, you know, like three or four plays and you pick one or I don't know, but it sounds pretty cool to get to kind of be involved and, and pick the plays. I'm interested how high the bar will be to be able to call plays. Like, do you have to show that you know football a little bit and call smart plays? Or can you do what I do when you play Madden and just blitz all 11 players and just see what happens and watch chaos ensue or just throw a Hail Mary every play? Uh, that's what I would love to see. Just some wacky football. It makes no sense. I just think it's going to be interesting because, you know, like football Twitter, uh, basically has decided that, you know, punting is not necessary anymore. So like there would be like, I don't, I feel like the fan controlled football league won't have punters because no one's going to use them unless it's like fourth and 23 or something like that. Um, you know, running backs might get the ball. Running backs might get like, you know, 10 touches a game and like eight of them will be targets. I am just sort of <laughs> curious to see. Here's the other part though, because I mean, we are a fantasy football podcast. Would either of you play, fantasy fcf like oh this is tricky right this is that's that's why i thought about this because like if the if you're controlling it um i mean if you have like a certain player like you would just wouldn't you just vote to like hey throw the ball to you know this guy all the time right because he's on my team yeah my my fantasy players would be averaging like 30 touches a game if i had any any say in the matter because that to me that's the most frustrating part of playing fantasy is like watching it and being like why are you taking off like your better running back or or anything so I think yeah I think the big fantasy players in those contests would have a ton of touches (laughs) it's pretty cool though Marcus I like Marshawn Lynch Austin Eckler are owners of teams in this league so if Austin Eckler was playing I would give him every single touch every single time Right. That's the thing. You know, I mean, like, you know, running backs would matter because the guys that you draft, like you would just want to load them up with touches. Right. Like, you know, if you have Nick Chubb in, in a league like this, Nick Chubb's going to touch the ball like 50 times because I, I want as much opportunities I could possibly get. So, uh, yeah, it was just a, a weird thought I had. Um, I'm very curious to see how this league works. I believe they're trying to get off the ground in 2021. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of. Uh, spring slash alternative football leagues that are out there now. And so uh, curious to see how long this lasts, but uh, hey, I, I, I played AAF fantasy. I'm gonna ask, I was going to ask if you, if you played play <laughs> AAF fantasy. I did play XFL last year. I was like, let me, cause AAF was kind of rough that the site and, and cause it wasn't on like, you know, normal platform. So it was kind of like a custom made site and it, it was, it got the job done, but uh guessing usage and stuff each week uh, was very very tricky so i i the xfl i kind of went in like i'll take a wait and see approach but <laughs> third year in a row marcus we're gonna get to play some sort of fantasy football during the offseason so i'll take it i i laughed you know i mean it was amusing watching as people were playing aaf fantasy leagues and seeing people create content i mean look you know god bless evan silva man i mean like you know his his uh, his matchups column, you know, for years has always been maybe one of the marquee pieces of fantasy content out there on the internet. And, you know, he immediately dove in and started doing like matchups columns for AAF. And, you know, I said, God bless him. Cause like, there are a lot of dudes that I had never, ever heard of in my life. And, you know, he's <laughs> trying to predict matchups and production and that sort of thing. Um, I'd imagine, you know, we, we may see the same thing if people really want to play fan controlled football fantasy, uh, 
That's Johnny be. Manziel would be the number one pick, right? Just on name basis. Just on alone. name value. Yeah, basically just on name value. Uh, everybody's going to draft Manziel. Although, here's the thing. His, his stint in Canada did not go well. <laughs> no, it did not. He had that game where he threw like a bunch of interceptions and ended up getting benched. Like it, it did not go well for him in Canada. So I don't know if uh, if the fan control league is going to be any better. Who knows? Uh, at some point, like I expect to see Johnny Manziel like on the challenge on MTV or something like that. It, that. Th- those leagues are cool for like, you know, I'm not the, the biggest college football fan, but I feel mm-hmm. like if you're like a, a big time college football fan, like yeah. those leagues are really cool because there, there's a lot of really talented players who just don't get to make it into the NFL. So they get a second chance. You get to watch them. And it's it's football during the offseason. So, yes, it's not NFL. Nothing will ever compare to the NFL, but it's still football. I think that's that's kind of where a lot of people fall. It's like a lot of people who watch it and, and who, you know, who gamble on it, who play fantasy on it. it is. It's 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 something to do. Um, and there is that that element of, you know, you you peruse the rosters and you're like, hey, I remember that guy. You know, I remember that guy from college. He played it blank or even the hey, he spent you know half a season playing in the NFL or something like that. So I'm sure that. That's going to be part of it. So, um, yeah, I just I just thought that was interesting. I thought it was just a fun little topic to, to chat about. Um, all right. So let's let's get back, though, to our exit interviews that we've been doing. Um, we are numbers 13 through 16 here. So let's start this one with the Los Angeles Chargers, um, who are a riddle wrapped inside an enigma covered by a puzzle. Uh, they were seven and nine this year, although when you think about how their season went, I feel like seven wins seems like a lot just because it just seemed like they were on the brink of disaster every single week. Uh, but they were seven and nine. They are in the 13th slot uh, for the draft this year. Um, I will say, I mean, you talk about what was good. I think it's, it's easy just to start with Justin Herbert Florio. I mean, the guy came out, was, was thrown into the deep end when Tyrod, uh, Tyrod Taylor was not able to play after just a really scary medical mishap. Uh, early in the season, they threw Justin Herbert into the deep end and and he shined. Um, he brought everybody along with him. He made it better for Keenan Allen and all those other guys. Uh, I mean, I feel like that was sort of the good for this team. I don't know if there was anything else you saw that that really stuck out to you. To me, I, I think it's Herbert. And I think it's also the fact that Herbert and the offense was still funneling through their their top fantasy assets. Like it wasn't like Herbert was a a spread the ball type of quarterback like Keenan Allen for most of the year was leading the league in target share before he got hurt late, late in the season. And then once Austin Eckler returned, he was seeing, you know, like nine, 10 plus targets every single game uh, until the very like last two weeks of the season. So the fact that he, not only that Herbert, you know, was second all time for rookies and passing yards behind only Andrew Luck, the fact that he, broke the record for most passing yards per game, most rookie uh, touchdown passes by a rookie. Like all of that is great. But for me, even a step further is the fact that he propelled Keenan Allen. And I think actually made Keenan Allen better than Keenan Allen had ever been in fantasy before. And I'm someone who I was out on Keenan Allen coming into this year because of Tyrod. But before that, I, I've really been high on Keenan Allen and he, he just took his game to a new level. And Austin Eckler did as well with Justin Herbert. The the fact that he made Keenan Allen so special this year uh, in fantasy, I think, is what was maybe the biggest pleasant surprise. I know that I was sort of optimistic about Keenan Allen, but I also admit that I'm uh, maybe a little more 
how should I say, uh, blinded, a little more of a tie rod stand than a lot of people. So I will admit that about myself, that maybe it's a, a little bit of a flaw for me. I had told myself the story where Tyrod was going to be okay and Keenan Allen was going to see a bunch of targets and everything was going to be fine. Um, but I also still understood the other side of it. I understood the people who had concerns and I understood why Keenan was going off the board and say like the fifth round or something like that in a lot of leagues. I, I completely understood that. Um, it, it worked out uh, for Keenan Allen, maybe not the way I had anticipated, but that ended up being good. And and you talk about Austin Eckler. That was another thing that I think we all felt like coming into the year, regardless of who the quarterback was, that Austin Eckler was going to be okay. And he was. Although remember remember back in weeks one and week two, Florida, when we thought Josh Kelly was just going to take over everything? Like He had that really good game in week one and decent game in week two. And after that, we were like, man, this is not going to be good for Austin Eckler. He's going to get his, his workload cut into – uh, and then midway through the year, it was like the Kalen Balaj show there <laughs> with the Chargers uh, because Josh Kelly just sort of sort of disappeared. Um, yeah, besides that, too, before we get into like the things that need to improve, I mean, how are we feeling about Josh Kelly? Are we sort of out on him or was this just like a rookie trying to get his feet underneath him? Yeah, I am. I'm out on Josh Kelly and he is someone that. Like, I, I was super high on Austin Eckler, and I, I drafted him in a bunch of leagues coming into this year saying he was a first-round pick. But I also thought that Joshua Kelly going in the double-digit rounds was a good value because I thought that they were still going to use, like, a change of pace back kind of – I thought Eckler would get the, you know, like 60% of the work, and then there would be someone else there to take, especially on the ground game, because I didn't think they wanted to use Eckler, you know, running the ball like 20 times a game. And Joshua Kelly just wasn't the answer at any point this season besides week one. Like, uh, I looked at it the other day, and in fantasy points per touch, he was by far the lowest of all the Chargers running backs this year. Kalen Balaj was showing him up. Kalen Balaj, <laughs> someone who we thought wasn't going to be in the league after he got cut this year. Then he goes to, uh, to I almost said San Diego, to Los Angeles, <laughs> and outperforms Joshua Kelly. So, Maybe it was just a one-year thing. Uh, rookies did have a really weird go coming into the season. But as long as Austin Eckler is still on this roster, he is going to dominate past game usage. So I, I think that just leaves Joshua Kelly to be kind of a touchdown dependent or a very low floor running back. I, I really thought at one point, and I said this, that that I thought Joshua Kelly was going to come in there and sort of be Melvin Gordon 2.0. Um but I, I have to really sort of recant that because it, it just doesn't look that way. And who knows, maybe next year is going to be a better year for him. But uh, he, he fell off a cliff after the first two or three weeks of the season this past year. Um, so we talked about what was good. What, what did you see from this team that needs to improve? I mean, special teams was a disaster, but that doesn't necessarily impact us immediately. What, you know, maybe offensively or fantasy wise needs to get better for this team? It's sad to say because I... As like watching him on hard knocks and stuff, Anthony Lynn seems like a really good dude. And and he comes from the bills, which I'm a fan of, but (laughs) I did not think his play calling was really getting the job done this year. And there were so many blunders. Like to me, one that stands out is against the bills. They, the chargers had the ball inside the five yard line with like 30 seconds left and they got one play and it was a QB sneak that was stuffed. And that was it. And like, there was just so many moments this year where it was like head scratching, like the Chargers, it just felt like couldn't get out of their own way. And 
I think, and I've been on record saying it a lot, like I think this offense has all the pieces to be the next great offense in this league. They have Justin Herbert, who has shown us he can play the quarterback position at a high level in the NFL. Keenan Allen is a top five wide receiver with Justin Herbert. I, I love Austin Eckler and his ability, especially as a dual threat out of the backfield. Like, can they be Kansas City? Maybe not, but can they be pretty close to that? I, I do think they they have the pieces there, but I think they need a, a new play caller, and, and that's why I'm hoping like Dabble or it doesn't sound like the enemy is going to end up anywhere right now, but I'm hoping one of these good offensive minds end up with the chargers because I think that it could take this offense to the next level and be really great for fantasy. To, to that end, I just, I want to see some more consistency out of Mike Williams. Cause you, you talk about the pieces they have there and you know, we've obviously seen Keenan Allen do his thing. We know what Austin Eckler can do. Um, I just, I'm waiting to see some more consistency out of Mike Williams. I mean, he's a guy who have those big spike games and we know that they love using him as a downfield threat. It's kind of a jump ball guy, but I, I just wonder whether or not he can be more than that and whether or not he can be more of a compliment to what they're doing with Allen. And look, Maybe, maybe in some ways, maybe it's a be careful what you ask for, right? Because if Mike Williams becomes more consistent, does that mean Keenan Allen can stay as productive? I don't know. But uh, I mean, this is a guy that, that I have loved the last couple of years drafting sort of in the later rounds and trying to, to fit him in as a second or third wide receiver. Um, but, you know, half the time I end up disappointed because you get a lot of games where it's like, you know, he gets five targets and it's, you know, three catches for you know 23 yards or something like that. And that just, that's hard to live with. But then, you know, other weeks you get the nice hundred yards and a touchdown or two sort of game. I just want, I want, I want something I'll I'll take something in between those two. If that's what I can get consistently, if I can consistently get the, you know, six catches for 70 yards and the occasional touchdown, I'll take that over riding the week to week roller coaster of Mike Williams. Um, and that's that's one thing I just I just want to see get better for next he year. He kind of reminds me of pre twenty twenty Will Fuller. Yeah, like very boomer bust. But but when he shows out, you're like this guy has so much. It's easy to get sucked in because you can see the talent and, and there's stuff in the stats that say there's talent there. It's just can he put it together and be consistent? So speaking of consistency, I mean, Hunter Henry has been a guy that I have loved since the the Chargers drafted him. And early in his career, you know, he's splitting time with Antonio Gates. And you're like, look, man, he's he's playing behind a Hall of Famer. I get it. Right. He's just not going to get a ton of targets the last couple of years. There hasn't been Gates. Um, The injuries have been a problem. At this point, this far into his career, have we seen the best of Hunter Henry? Has he hit his ceiling or is there still a possibility that there's something else there for him? I feel like as long as he stays with the Chargers, this is like I, I'm he's played five seasons in the NFL now. And I'm just like you, Marcus, every year I'm like he can make the jump. Like he has the physical tools there. There's targets up for grabs, especially after Gates left. But it's I mean, he doesn't have 700 yards in a single season in his career. Uh, he's never played 16 games. So take that for what it is, but never having 700 yards. And then he had eight touchdowns his rookie year with Antonio Gates there. Five is his high since then. So mm-hmm. for me, it, it Hunter Henry, it's going to depend on his draft costs next year. Like if he is, if people are once again buying into him and he's going as like a top 10 tight end, I will not be taking that shot on him. But if you could get him in the later rounds, maybe even as an upside tight end too, I don't expect that. But if that becomes the <laughs> case, then I'm much more interested in him. But I just feel like as long as Keenan is there and Mike Williams is there and then if Austin Eckler's there, like it, it, there's just not enough targets, I think, to keep 
four players fantasy relevant. And I don't think Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler go away. They, they definitely aren't going to go away. And so it does become a battle for what's left over between, you know, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, and whoever else uh, they might bring into this offense next year. It just, it's, it's frustrating because I'm with you. I, I've seen so much potential. I really like, I, I liked the fit. I like the ability, um, but the production just, just hasn't been there. I mean, the fact that this year was a career high with 60 catches, um, you know, it just, it, it just seems like he's close, but just can't ever quite get over the hump. And at this point, I'm starting to feel like maybe he just never will. Uh, and this is kind of who Hunter Henry is going to be. Uh, next is the Vikings. <clears throat> also seven and nine. Uh, they were, they were in the number 14 draft slot. Um, look, I, I'm going to ask you what's good. I feel like, I feel like I know kind of what at least one part of the answer is going to be, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway. I mean, what, what for you stood out with the Vikings this year? Uh, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. Like, like Justin Jefferson broke Randy Moss's rookie record. I mean, yeah, that is eye-opening right there in itself. <laughs> and Justin Jefferson, I kind of feel like, Marcus, like the first half of the year, Adam Thielen was the wide receiver one here. But I think as the year went on, like Justin Jefferson usurped him, in, to yeah. use Adam Rank's word, and was like, <laughs> like, like he was getting the yards and the targets every week. Thielen was getting more of the touchdowns, but – you say it all the time, Marcus. They're, they're fickle beasts, those touchdowns. You can't always rely on them. So I actually, as of today, I have Justin Jefferson ranked higher than Adam Thielen for my way too early 2021 rankings. And, I mean, Dalvin Cook is just as good as they get at the running back position. Like, I think he should be the second pick off the board next year. I, you know, I, I love Dalvin Cook. And like I've said before, I – this time last year, I was sort of pushing Dalvin Cook as a potential, you know, number one overall pick. I was doing it mostly just for the sake of starting conversation. But uh, I think what he showed uh, and, and considering how the other top picks went in fantasy that, you know, if you had decided to make that move and look, I, I know very few if anybody did. But if you had decided to make that move, it would have worked out for you. Uh, it would have been it would have been pretty good because he was consistently productive. He was on the field certainly a lot more, uh, you know, than guys like McCaffrey and Saquon, what have you. So that that would have turned well. Justin Jefferson has been phenomenal, and um, you know, I I believed in him at the start of the year. I thought he was going to be the, the rookie wide receiver that you wanted to have, um, and it kind of it proved itself to be the case. And I think what was more encouraging about all of it is that he sort of did it by not just being a slot receiver. That was sort of the, the talk about him coming into the year uh, that he was a slot receiver. That's what he did at LSU. That's how he was successful. But you go and you look, he played 75% of his snaps out wide. So they figured out how to get him out wide and have him be successful and have him win out there. Uh, you know, five of his seven touchdowns came when he was lined up out wide. So um, that I think is a big step forward uh, in his development, in his progression. I think it's it's how people are going to start to measure him going forward. I still think, and I said this uh, recently on our, on this show, that I think C.D. Lamb out of this class is the guy who has maybe the highest ceiling overall. But I think Jefferson proved that that he is going to be a consistently productive wide receiver year in and year out in this offense. And part of what I love about the Vikings offense um, is that uh, – they are very narrow in terms of their targets. Kirk Cousins usually has like two guys that he throws the ball to. Before, it was Thielen and Stephon Diggs. You take Diggs out, you put Jefferson in, 
things don't change. It's pretty much two guys that they throw the football to. Um, and you couldn't really ask for anything better than that. I mean, that's that's kind of all we want. We just want those guys that we know are going to get targets. Uh, Jefferson and Thielen are those guys. Um, so that was good. What was what was not so good? What what do you feel like has to get better here? So for a real life purpose, I think their defense obviously has to improve. But for fantasy, I don't want a whole lot to change here. Like you took the words right out of my mouth, Marcus. Like this offense, they funneled their targets through their two best players. And, and it's it's frustrating. You know, you could watch other teams like you could watch the Chiefs and I know Tyreek Hill basically scored a touchdown every single game this year, but there's still <laughs> moments where, like, you'll be like, Tyreek Hill scored. Oh, wait, no, that's Cole Hardman. Like, that doesn't happen with the Vikings, you know. One time this year, I think I got I, I thought it was Adam Thielen and it was Chad Beebe. But besides <laughs> that, like, it goes through those two guys. So, I, and I we've said it a lot with teams with bad defenses. They have to throw more, which means it's just even more to those two guys. And the whole running game runs through Dalvin Cook. They hardly take him off the field to get in like Alexander Madison or any of those guys. So the only change I want to see in 2021 is I want them to move on from Kyle Rudolph and realize what they have in Irv Smith because they used a very high draft pick on him. And what he showed us in the second half of the season when Kyle Rudolph was out was that he can be a legit top tight end in this league and i'm very very high on him heading into next year if they get rid of kyle rudolph like he will be a top 10 tight end for me easily if they if they move on from rudolph yeah it's sort of weird to think right this is a team that finished seven and nine but uh but offensively it is everything we wanted in fantasy right they've got three guys that they get the football to i'm looking here at the you know the, the target share right i mean uh you look at the top two jefferson had 125 Thielen had 108. The next closest was Dalvin Cook at 54. I mean, like when they are wow. throwing the ball, you know pretty much where it is going on a consistent basis. You look at the, the rushing attempts, Dalvin Cook, 312. Second was Alexander Madison at 96. They have three guys in this offense that generally are going to get the football. And for us, that makes it easy. That makes it easy to figure out. And, and to have all three of those guys be productive, I mean, like, Let's, I'm going to guess that next year between Cook, uh, uh, Jefferson, and Thielen, all those guys are going to be off the board by, what, fourth round at the latest? You know, like, I, I can't imagine that they last beyond then. Um, yeah. Dalvin yeah, Cook, cool. I mean, is going top five for sure. I, right. I think Justin Jefferson is like that 2-3 swing he can go around there. And then yeah. I think by the end of the fourth round, Thielen's gone as well. Yeah, I just I don't think any of those guys are still going to be on the board when you get to the fifth round. And I mean, that's cool. Like we can figure it out and like we can all have a level of confidence uh, that they're going to be fairly productive. You know, what's kind of wild. Like we love these two receivers, but no one likes Kirk Cousins. No one, right? <laughs> it is weird because Cousins is just kind of like it's just meh. like he's just, you know, uh, Cousins is. Is that guy that at the end of the year he'll be around like QB twelve or so in total points, but it won't it won't be a fun ride getting it won't it won't be easy it won't be pretty no uh uh-uh. um right no I just say like people who love the law sausage and Kirk Cousins fantasy points should watch <laughs> neither of them being made because they're just it's just not it's just not fun to experience um but talking about Adam Thielen right and and you, you talked about how. Justin Jefferson took over as the Vikings number one receiver late in the year. Is Thielen still an overall fantasy wide receiver one, or is he going to, has he been relegated to a, a wide receiver two starting next year? 
For me, I have him as a wide receiver too right now because I have Justin Jefferson in my top 12. Uh, Could this offense sustain two top 12 wide receivers? Yes, but I would feel a little bit more comfortable having one in the top 12 and then one like just outside of it because then you're not, you know, reaching for the ceiling on them. And I just think what we saw out of Justin Jefferson, the fact that down the stretch he was getting more – he was just more consistent with the targets and the yardage. And Thielen is their red zone presence and I think is going to get a lot of touchdowns again. But I trust the targets and the yardage more. And Justin Jefferson is still – like he was a rookie this year without a preseason. He is still very much on the rise where Adam Thielen is going to be 31 next year. And and we – we hear it all the time, like 31, 32. That's when wide receivers, you start to see a little bit of a dip. I think Thielen is fine. I said I would take him in the top four rounds, but not as a wide receiver one. I like him a lot more as my second wide receiver. I mean, part of what kept him, I won't say kept him afloat. I mean, the guy had over 900 receiving yards this year. He had 74 catches. Those are not bad numbers, but the 14 touchdowns made a huge difference. And I mean, this is a guy that before this, uh, his previous career high was nine um, you know, and, and he very easily could could fall back to eight or nine touchdowns again next year, which takes a big chunk out of his production, especially if Jefferson continues to put up the yardage numbers and see those targets, especially downfield. So there's a very real possibility that you could see Adam Thielen kind of fall back and end up, you know, as maybe the wide receiver 18 or 20 next year. Not that he's going to have a bad year, not that he's going to be terrible, just that if if he can't pick up the yardage numbers, if he can't get to a thousand yards, if he can't get you 80, 90 catches, um, then he really does have to score a huge number of touchdowns. And that's just not guaranteed uh, really for anybody, but uh, especially for guys you mentioned who is, you know, on the other side of 30 now. Um, were you, and, yeah. Were you, were you surprised to see his yardage total at the end of the year? Cause I was, I was, I was yeah. I, I thought for sure he had gotten a thousand yards. I just, just kind of thought that was the case, but uh was very surprised by that when I saw it. Um, all right. So those are the Vikings next and it's weird to be talking about them in this slot, but uh, the New England Patriots, they have the number 15 draft pick. They finished seven and nine. Um, and look, seven and nine, you know, I talked about the Chargers feeling weird at seven and nine because everything seemed like a weekly disaster for them. By the end, it sort of felt that way for the Patriots, too, because offensively, they just couldn't do anything. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't score points. And so it feels like seven and nine. It's like, wow, that that feels a lot better than than I remember it being um I I don't know what about this team I liked offensively I mean early in the year when they when they signed Cam Newton in the offseason we thought wow man if Cam can come back and be what he you know even a portion of what he was this is going to be great um there was just I I'm, I'm really I'm really scratching my head trying to figure out what I liked offensively about this team this year and maybe aside from a couple of Damian Harris weeks, um, it's it's hard for me to come up with anything. Maybe you can bail me out, but I can't come up with anything that really stood out to me. No, I, I can't bail you out because I think <laughs> that the Patriots were the worst team for fantasy in 2020. Like once Cam Newton was was solid, especially early on because he was running, uh, like getting a, all of their rushing touchdowns early on. But then down the stretch, like, he really started to sputter. And in games this year without a rushing touchdown, he was averaging uh, single-digit fantasy points up until weeks. That might have changed in week 17 because he had, like, the receiving touchdown um, and went for nearly 40 fantasy points. But his numbers are also pretty skewed. Like, he had a few really big blow-up games and then, like, a bunch of single-digit fantasy games. And then 
Their running backs, I mean, with Tom Brady gone, they weren't throwing nearly as consistent to James White. So I don't think he, like most weeks, I would have James White ranked in like the 40s at running back because I was just like, he has no ceiling and his floor is single digits, I think. And then Sony Michelle is, I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> and Damian Harris, I, I like, he was the bright spot, I would say, for this season. But because of how much they rotated their different running backs and the fact that James White catches the passes and then at one point Rex Burkhead or Cam Newton were coming in to vulture his touchdowns, Damian Harris was basically a guy who can give you like somewhere between like 9 and 13 fantasy points. I think his ceiling, if they allowed him to be a lead running back, is a lot higher. But like coming into next year, I mean, maybe they bring back Julian Edelman and then he'll like be one player. But do they bring back Cam Newton? I'm I'm not sold. Uh, I mean, he got benched how many times this year? Like, uh, do they like Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry? I, I I don't want really any interest in them. And then there's no tight end uh, of interest here. And they use so many different running backs that I think Damian Harris is the only one that I'm really gonna have any interest for fantasy as of now. Yeah. So and that's that's sort of the thing. It's just I I can't. I can't think of anybody. That was kind of the question I was going to ask later was like, is there anybody that's currently on this roster that you draft? And I think, I think the answer is just sort of no. Um, You know, I, I, maybe look, I, I would imagine we're going to get to the preseason and whatever, whatever form of preseason we have this year. Right. And I can certainly imagine there will be a part of, of the fantasy community that's looking around and saying, you know what? Maybe take a shot at Damian Harris, right? I mean, he's young, he's talented. Um, you know, how much longer can James White really continue on? At this point, we've seen Sony Michelle looks like he's pretty much cooked, and I can't imagine they they keep trying to to run with him. So maybe Damian Harris starts to get some some mid to late round love at some point in the preseason. But you know, Cam Newton looked—I love Cam, but he looked awful uh, this year. You know, they, you they were couldn't throw the ball. I did. I did. I, I had, I was, I was camp for Halloween. Uh, I had cam on a couple of rosters. Like I really, I really tried and it just, it wasn't working out. Um, some of it was, some of it was cam. I mean, some of it was just some awful throws that he made. Some of it was the fact that he had nobody to throw the football to. Um, you know, we, we tried it with Jacoby Myers. I, I was a Nikhil Harry fan, uh, when he was at Arizona state and, and he has not shown anything, um, I mean, where, where else, where else are we going with this Demir bird? Um, and I feel like that's the thing of all the things offensively that need to get fixed on this team. They have to find oh, at least one wide receiver that can do something for them. Right. I mean, they can't expect Julian Edelman to come back and what he's going to be 35 next year. They, they can't expect Julian Edelman to keep bailing them out. They, you know, at some point, Nikhil Harry's got to either develop or they've got to move on from him. Uh, Demir Bird has, you know, we sort of know what he is. I, I you know, I don't know if, if, you know, they go after one of the Alabama guys, Florio, if Devontae Smith is still going to be there at 15, if Jalen Waddle is going to be there, but they have to do something to improve this wide receiver core. Um, Cause it, it was, they might have had the, they had the worst receiver core in the league. I, can, I feel like I can just say that flat out. I think they had the worst wide receiver group in the National Football League. And if that doesn't get better, um, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. It, they're just going to continue to not be able to move the football next year. Completely agree that I, I think it was the worst in football. I think they're for fantasy for their whole offense as a whole is one of the worst in football because even you know like 
some of the bad, maybe the Jets. All right, maybe the Jets, but even <laughs> some of the, the bad offenses, like like Washington, they give us you know Gibson and McLaurin, and like there's you could find pieces of other offenses where you're like, all right, at least there's one or two players that can be somewhat useful for fantasy. But with the Patriots, no, and. and I do think because you you talk about like fantasy muscle memory a lot, and I think it's it's great. I think because of that, Julian Edelman will get drafted next year, but mm-hmm. that'll probably be the only reason why. I mean, you talk about though the Jets, like you know the Jets had Jamison Crowder, like you know they like I, I wouldn't mind having Jamison Crowder on a roster. I mean, we had we had a Braxton Berrios game. I mean, Brashad Perriman every once in a while showed up and did things. Um, yeah, the Jet, uh, the, the the Patriots offense was just bad, and and um, it is going to be weird to think that no one is going to draft New England Patriots next year, or if they do, uh, they are going to be sort of you know dart throws or just just sort of reflex picks, uh, just because that's what we've always done. Um, it's a new world. Look, there's a whole there are there are people in the Massachusetts in the state of Massachusetts and the New England area. Um, who are of legal drinking age who don't really understand what it's like for the Patriots to not be good. <laughs> like it's been that long. This um, is because I didn't get into football when like until I got I was like, you know, like 12 or something. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like it was well in like it was the start of the Patriots <laughs> first dynasty, I guess, if you want to say. So I like to me, besides this year, the Patriots being bad means they didn't make the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> it's wild. It is absolutely. I mean, look, I I am old enough. I look, I I remember when they lost to the '85 Bears and they were just pummeled in the Super Bowl by the '85 Bears, and that was like the pinnacle of Patriot success in my lifetime until you know this whole thing started with Tom Brady. Um, and so like it's it's been a long, long time since it has been this way. But it, the the rebuild uh, is underway in Foxborough, and it's going to be kind of intriguing to watch. But also. For a lot of us who just got tired of, of you know, hearing crowing from the northeast of the country, it'll be nice to have a little bit of silence for <laughs> at least for a couple of years. Don't worry. All their other teams will keep winning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so. All right. Uh, last one here. It's the Cardinals. It's our first 500 team. Uh, they were eight and eight. They have the number 16 slot. And I would say that, you know, I have a couple of friends who are Cardinals fans who live in Phoenix and. Uh, I know that they were just sort of disgusted with the way the season ended for them because it just seemed like they had it there, you know, to use a hockey term. It was on their stick and they just couldn't score. They could not close the deal in terms of getting to the playoffs. Uh, Some bad losses down the stretch. So instead of being in the postseason, they are picking 16th, which sort of puts them in kind of football purgatory in terms of trying to to, to build this roster. Um, But I would say that when it came to what's good, I mean, there was Kyler. There was Nuke, um, and those two things were very, very good. And and I, I joked early in the year that the offense basically consisted of Kyler runs the ball, Kyler throws the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Those things worked for much of the season. They sort of faded down the stretch, but on the whole, for fantasy, those two guys were great. And and uh, I don't know if there's anything else that, that jumped out at you, but those were the two things that I took away from this Cardinal season, at least for fantasy, that, that we knew week in and week out we were going to be able to rely on. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And and I was uh, one of the fools who was questioning D-Hop a little bit because <laughs> my thinking was, all right, he left Houston that ran an offense. Like Bill O'Brien 
would funnel all 150 targets guaranteed each season to D hop. I was like, can I, what if he falls down to 130 and like the offense that likes <laughs> to spread the ball out a little bit more? It didn't happen. Like he was this team's uh, like receiver threat and he was their pass catch. And then I feel like D hop got a little revenge on me doubting him by, you know, catching the Hail Mary against the Bills. <laughs> oh, but for me, I, I think you kind of have to look at the Cardinals seasons in two parts. Like, what they did before Kyler Murray got hurt and what they did after, because after he got hurt, he stopped running. And when you take away, I mean, that's what he does so well. It'd be like telling Lamar Jackson to stop running and then being like, Oh, well the Ravens offense got worse. Of course it's going to get worse when you have (laughs) a quarterback who can give you a hundred rushing yards and had 10 rushing touchdowns in their first nine games. Like he was their goal line back. And you take that away, your offense becomes a lot more predictable because then either you're handing it off to Kenyon Drake or you're going to throw it to D-Hop, right? Like there's not a whole lot of un- unpredictability there. So uh, I I do think that there's better days to come for this offense because in the first 10 weeks, D-Hop and Kyler looked like league winners. The one negative for them in the second half of the season is the fantasy community really turned on Cliff Kingsbury. And when that happens, that's usually a very bad sign for coaches. That is very true. They really did. Although I will, I will say this. I feel like I feel like the fantasy community was sort of skeptical, I guess, about Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I know when he took over originally and the air raid and everything, everybody's like, okay, well, let's let's give this a shot, right? This could be interesting. I mean, we have seen it in various forms kind of make its way to the NFL. And so I think there was uh, some hope, but a lot of skepticism. But I think what we have seen the last couple of years uh, is that you're right. People have sort of turned on Cliff. I think some of it is just for a guy who you know pre- preaches this air raid, right, and preaches this this wide open form of football. They tend to be really conservative in weird spots. You know, there are times where they're down close, and instead of maybe going for it or being aggressive toward the end zone, you know, we'll see them play conservative, or we'll see them kick field goals when a lot of times it seems to make sense to maybe try and and go for it on fourth down. I think that has something to do with it, but. Um, yeah, what's the fantasy? Once you've lost, once you've lost fantasy Twitter as an offensive minded coach, uh, it might be the beginning of the end for Cliff Kingsbury down there in the desert. Um, any other things though, that you saw from last year that, that you feel like need to improve for this offense? Um, I, I would prefer if they kind of just settled on one running back, whether it be Drake (laughs) or Edmonds, because it would just make fantasy more fun. Last year, how it worked out was like Edmonds was their pass catcher. And I don't which would that annoyed me more than anything that Kingsbury did, because Kenyon Drake has shown in his NFL career that like he's a pretty good pass catching back. So Mm. taking him off the field, I think only makes your offense more predictable because, hey, Edmonds is in. We're probably throwing the ball. Oh, Drake's in. We're probably running the ball. And I I would prefer it if they just kind of settled on one, especially because with Kyler Murray's running ability, like you would never know then like, uh, is it going to be a run play? Is it going to be a pass play? And then I just think what it can do for that offense to have one lead back that could kind of keep the defenses guessing uh, would help a lot because it's something that like Bill Belichick used to say with James White and when like Sony Michelle and stuff that our offense is easy to predict when those guys are on the field, like it becomes easier to stop. Yeah. I look, I know that I was, you know, I, I was the chief culprit, in the Kenyon Drake hype train last year. Like I really was high on him and I drafted him in some spots and at least the start of the year was pretty miserable. He turned it around late in the year and that was sort of, uh, you know, that was encouraging to see, but that, that beginning of the year was rough. I think if I remember right, I think he said 
kind of what 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 got him going was that his mom basically called him out and was like, "You're not playing well." And like, you know, when when mom calls you and says you're not playing well, then you really do have to reevaluate some things. And I think that's that's part of kind of what got him going a little bit. So uh, maybe we should, you know, if we can, if anybody knows how to get in touch with Kenyon Drake's mom uh, and use her as a motivational speaker for the off season, that would be great. Um, <clears throat> Can you imagine if your mom called you and was like, you you made bad fantasy picks this week? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I would be crushed. It's funny, too, because my mom watches. She watches Fantasy Live, and she she doesn't care about football. She doesn't know anything about football. But she watches the show, like, regularly, and she's just like, I like watching you on TV. I like when you're wearing your nice suit. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But it's great. I, I my mom does the same thing. And I'm like, thanks, Mom. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, the other thing about this offense – I and look, you can talk me off the ledge here if I'm getting crazy, but I am really about to give up on Christian Kirk. Um, you know, I've tried it for a few years. Um, this year I was not quite so last year I was really big on Christian Kirk and he was just okay. Um, although it turned out to be that that last year was the best season he's had so far 68 catches, 709, and then I say last year, I mean 2019, so 68 catches, uh, 709 yards. Just the three touchdowns. He had six touchdowns this year, which is a career high. But again, there's just nothing about Christian Kirk's season that that really made you feel like, yeah, I got to have this guy on my roster. I got to have him in my starting lineup. And it's been three years of just mediocre at best play for him. And now with Nuke there and obviously just absorbing so many targets, I'm just sort of feeling like, you know, this is kind of who Christian Kirk is. Like, I, I think I'm ready to just kind of tap out. I, I think I'm walking away from the table on this one. Yeah, I am as well. I, I don't think that's crazy at all, Marcus, because I kind of went a roundabout way of getting sucked into Christian Kirk this year. Like I wasn't high on him coming into into drafts, and then he had a he struggled the first month and was dropped. And I got sucked into hyping him up as like this big waiver wire pickup who can become a weekly starter for you because he had a nice stretch in the middle of the season, 22, 20, 23. It came against the Cowboys, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins' defense is, is legit, but then after that, I don't believe he scored 15. He had one game over 10 points and none with 15 the rest of the way. So it's just too inconsistent for my liking. And uh, I agree with you. I think it's it's Kyler and, and D-Hop here in the passing game. No more Andy Isabella and best ball. <laughs> no more Christian Kirk. Uh, I, I just got to wash my hands of it right now. That was another guy. Andy Isabella is another guy that that fantasy Twitter sort of loves. Um, he's like a darling of fantasy Twitter uh, who really just like, it's funny because like he, you don't hear from him. You don't hear him do much. And then he'll take like he'll take a, a slant and he'll go 65, 70 yards with it. And suddenly, like everybody comes out of the woodworks again. And they're like, Andy Isabella. And like then we don't hear from him for like a month. Jeff uh, Janis 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I think. I actually honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see the Cardinals do something this offseason to sort of bolster their, their wide receiver. Remember, it was just a couple of years ago, right? They drafted Isabella, uh, Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State, Hakeem Butler, all in the same draft. Uh, and look, I know it's only been a couple of years, but none of those guys has shown really any inkling of doing anything uh, at this point. In fact, Hakeem Butler, I don't think is even on the Cardinals roster <laughs> at this point. He, if I remember correctly, got picked up by the Eagles and they're trying to convert him to a tight end. A tight end. That's right. That is, that's correct. So, I mean, we see, is, how, we see how that's going. <laughs> and they're going to lose fits too, probably. I know probably. it's not a guarantee, but. 
Right. Right. I mean, there's a very good chance that Larry Fitzgerald retires, you know, which would not be surprising considering how long he's been in the league and how productive he's been. So at some point, I think they really do have to look at trying to bring in some wide receiver help because uh, as great as Nuke is, um, you, you do have to have some diversity. You have to have somebody else to throw the football to. Um you talked about Kenyon Drake and him back there with Chase Edmonds. I talked about the fact that I was, uh, you know, driving the the bus for for his hype last season. What is his draft value next year? Since we were all, you know, we we were disillusioned coming into the year. We all sort of, uh, you know, had that reality punch in the gut. How do we how do we value him for drafts next year? So I think uh, Adam Rank made a good point after the season that like uh, Kenyon Drake. While he didn't live up to our expectations as a first round RB1, he also, you know, he he wasn't terrible. And usually when a player doesn't live up to expectations, like Rank said, he's going to get drafted. He finished as a top 20 running back, but I expect him to get drafted outside the top 20 because he was a letdown compared to what we expected out of him. And I was like, that's a really good point. And if that ends up being the case and you could get him as like a low end RB2, in fantasy drafts, I, I would be interested. But then I keep going back to he didn't catch a whole lot of passes. He had two games all year with over 100 scrimmage yards. And his value the second half of the year was because he was getting so many touchdowns. And, and if those become either go down or get spread out a little bit more, he becomes really hard to trust. So Kenyon Drake, I think, is going to be one of those uh, hard to kind of pinpoint exactly where you feel comfortable with him. But I, I am anticipating he'll probably go in like round four, but I think I would like him a lot more if he fell like another round. I am just sort of amazed. He only had 31 targets this past season. He had 30. They gave him 35 targets the year before when he only played half the year with them. You know, and that was I know that was part of the reason I was so excited about him. I'm like, all right, he got 35 targets in eight games. Um, you know, do the the easy math, right? You, you spread that over 16 games at 70 targets. That's a pretty big number. But even if he didn't hit 70, even if he was still at, you know, 55 or 60, I would have been okay with that. The fact that they just didn't throw him the football was sort of mind boggling to me. And, and you're right. He's, you know what? I, I imagine Kenyon Drake's going to be that guy where you're on the clock in say the third round or something like that. And he's sitting there and there's maybe a wide receiver or two. And you're really going to be like, do I, do I take him now? Can I wait and see if he comes back to me in the fourth? He's going to be that guy that I think, you know, you're going to have potentially a lot of drafters remorse over, um, you know, unless he steps it up and has a huge 2021 (laughs) season, but he's going to be really, really hard to figure out. next. He probably shouldn't tweet before the year that he's going to win everyone fantasy championships. Might be a good idea. Might be a good <laughs> idea. Look, I am. Look, I. You know how I feel about people tweeting at players, but maybe sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, maybe, maybe it's possible to be too confident. I don't know. Uh, and inflate expectations. No idea. Uh, all right. So those were our picks, uh, or the the draft picks, I should say, thirteen through sixteen. We'll get back to it next week uh, with let me do the math. Seventeen to twenty. Um, of course, we're going to have some teams that enter the draft ranks coming up this weekend because there's another round of uh, NFL playoffs. It's the divisional week. So as always, we should probably put together a lineup for folks who are playing daily fantasy. Uh, I went through it and look, man, I mean, it's the divisional playoffs. So no surprise, there aren't a lot of easy picking matchups, right? It's going to be tough to put together a lineup. So um, curious to see where you went, how you built your, uh, your daily lineup for this week. I went with the, 
I, I would say I, I it, maybe it seems a little obvious, but they're expensive. I went with a cheap stack, though. Like I have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill all in my DFS lineup uh, with rounding it out. I have Cam Akers as my RB one. He's under six thousand. But last week he looks really good. He was getting all the work there. Uh, I, I like Cam Akers a lot this week and just, you know, in like twenty twenty one. And then I have Devin Singletary as my RB two only because he's under five thousand. And with no Zach Moss, like, can he maybe score a touchdown? Can he maybe get a little bit more work? I, I do think he'll get more work than uh, we've seen him. And then rounding it out, I have uh, Gabe Davis at 4000 You got to get some cheap guys in there if you want to get this cheap <laughs> stack. Uh, Willie Sneed at 3300 just because we've seen it. Lamar will rely on Willie Sneed as like a chain mover, and he can get like four or five catches that way. And then my flex is J.K. Dobbins at 6K because I think the Ravens are going to really try to run the ball against the Bills. That is the the Bills' one weakness, and we saw the Colts try to take advantage of it last week. And then defense had to go cheap again. But Rams' defense at 2,600, I understand they're facing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and those guys could still make some plays. So it's the second cheapest defense. Give me what I think is the best defense in football. So we had some similarities. I went, I didn't go the triple, uh, triple stack for the chiefs, but I did go with a Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stack. Cause I just felt like that, you know, because, because there were no good quarterback options out there that I just really, really loved. I'm like, let's just go big and let's just get Mahomes and put him in there. Uh, I did have cam Akers there as one of my running backs. I went Nick Chubb at the other running back spot because, you know, we know he's going to get touches. And I think for the Browns, if they want to be successful, part of it is going to be running the football, trying, to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands as much as possible and just trying to eat as much clock short in the game if you can. Um, the other wide receivers, I went Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I thought about trying to slot Michael Thomas in there uh, against that Bucks secondary. It just wasn't got, quite going to work, but I figured, well, I can go with Sanders. Uh, I mean, maybe you don't get the same number of targets, but uh, there's still an opportunity for him to get the football. As long as Sean Payton goes with Drew, there was a lot of Taysom Hill last week, which, you know, is – that's a whole other conversation for another time. But um, hopefully we see more breeze, which means they're throwing the football a little bit more. So I went with uh, Emmanuel Sanders. I also put Scotty Miller because you need a value pick to, to kind of fit all these other big names in there. And even even with the big three receivers there in Tampa, there's still the occasional Scotty Miller targets. And maybe they can pop a big one downfield with him uh, and he finds his way into the end zone. So I'm sort of playing for that potential touchdown upside. Uh, my tight end. And what with Mark Andrews? And, and you and I talked earlier in the week about the Bills, their struggles against tight ends, the fact that they had a tough time with Jack Doyle. Uh, you know, you and I were speculating that maybe they put Tredavious White on Mark Andrews to try and, and neutralize him a little bit, but I'm still willing to take the shot at him. Uh, I, my flex was Kareem Hunt. So I went with Nick Chubb, hoping that the Browns would run the football a lot, but just in case they do have to throw it, in case the Chiefs put up a lot of points, uh, I have Nick, I have a Kareem Hunt as my fallback there at the flex. And then defensively, I went with the Packers. Um, I know it's, you know, look, it's not necessarily – they haven't been great this year, but I'm looking at the Rams quarterback situation, um, you know, and I know they're trying to get Jared Goff ready, and hopefully his thumb's going to be a little bit better this week. But, uh, you know, even a healthy Jared Goff has not always been great this year, so I feel like that that is going to give me enough confidence to, to throw the Packers in there. Uh, and see if they can perform. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I know uh, I, I was going to ask you which game you're most looking forward to, but I know the answer to that. It's going to be <laughs> yeah, overrated, right? This is the game that I maybe I'm biased, but I just feel like it is, I think, easily the, the most the game to get excited about because it's two young quarterbacks who, 
Again, I'm biased. I'm a Bills fan. <laughs> it's it's two young quarterbacks and, and two pretty good offenses uh, that also have good defenses. So there'll be challenges for them. But yeah, I'm excited. Like I'm getting wings for that game, Marcus. I'm gonna probably be wearing all Bills gear again. And just, <laughs> I'm excited. It's Saturday night because 10 a.m. kickoff was fun, but I, I like like 5 p.m. It just it'll be nice to have like a beer and watch the game. I, I felt a little weird trying to do that at 10 a.m. You also have to you have to wear the same outfit that you wore last week. You know that, right? Like you can't you can't modify. You got to wear what you wore last week because obviously it's the lucky charm. It's what got them the win. I I washed all the clothes this week and and my because my fiance said the same thing. She was like, you have to wear them everything again. And I I told my fiance like she has to wear Bills gears this week too now because, <laughs> because the the Ravens. I am nervous. Like if they if the Bills lose to the Chiefs or something, uh, but I want to get to the AFC Championship game and the Ravens are are scary the ravens are scary and especially with lamar turning into like the lamar jackson superhero that we've seen in the past because we saw that last week and so that's that's it oh here's the thing if i'm the chiefs i'm worried about both those teams i mean obviously yeah. they, they've got they've got their own problems they they will have their hands full full with the the browns this week but you know if they get through um i think they're gonna have problems with either the ravens or the bills so uh you know it's going to be fun, and you know, especially for me as an impartial observer to just sit back and be able to watch without the emotional stress. Uh, that's going to be great. So, <laughs> you, you mean you weren't pacing around your your living room when uh, when that fumble was being reviewed late in the fourth quarter? No, I think I went and grabbed a little handful of pretzels <laughs> and was just like chilling. It was great. Uh, so, so uh, Godspeed to you, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on Tuesday when we uh, we get back together for for the next version of this podcast. Uh, in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, unicorns are real. They're just fat and gray, and we call them rhinos. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.